0: I'm Dan Legault, and I'm Scott Emerson Moyle, and welcome to the Snakes Cast. We're getting spooky!
1: Last time we left off on discussing sort of how horror can be applied to games, and fear and tension and all sorts of other things, and we left off... To Sort of leading into discussing cooperative games as a, a new medium in the industry, a way to get um, scared
0: together. Right? Yeah. So, Dead of Winter was, can we say, game changing? Is that an unconscionable pun? Dead of Winter was game changing because of the way its crossroads mechanic integrates a, a really thematic thing into a, a you know a moderately rulesy game. Dead of Winter we covered uh, a while ago on the Snakes Cast in our zombie games episode, so check in on that for rules. But essentially, we're we're all survivors, and we're- this is a zombie apocalypse, and we're holed up in a school somewhere really cold, or a gym, or a church basement, what is it? The colony is-, is this The colony, yeah, it's, it's a building, it's a warehouse. It's a big building that doesn't have enough supplies to get us through the winter, and yeah, zombies are bad news, but also, like, frostbite, and also other survivors, and- in uh, in the most recent version, Dead of Winter, the Warring Colonies, that other colony across the road that you're competing with for uh, for resources, um, but they're all co-op or co-op with a trader or team-driven, and that sense of we're all in it together lets people freak out a little, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I, the crossroads, too, having like these weighted choices where... The outcomes are probably not that great. I know when I when I'm playing it, I'm just like, you want option one or two? It's going to be mysterious either way. And read the first sentence of what sort of entails. So the sure. Repercussions are kept secret. I think that adds yeah, there are a often bit of terror to it.
0: Sort of ugly triage decisions or or painful Sophie's choices, uh, where where one consequence might feel better than the other, but not by much. They might also they might both come with significant risk, and often. The choice that is mechanically safer also feels morally repugnant. Yeah, and especially in the uh, the sequel. Uh, yeah, the long night. Long night. They really get into the idea that if you were playing this with, with robots uh, and and we weren't thinking about morality or narrative, there's often a choice that's a little more reliable. But it's really hard to do those ones. Uh, And all of the examples I can think of for those morally repugnant choices are things I can't say while keeping our iTunes clean rating. So uh, just imagine the terrible kinds of things that survivors have to do to survive in horror narratives. They're in there. Dead of Winter really went all in on that kind of story. Yeah. It also helps that you don't know when a crossroads card is going to happen, right? They, They start with, read this when a player blank, and the blank might be goes outside, or it might be something very specific like, if a given player runs into a given survivor character, and maybe we haven't even met that survivor yet. Um, but some of them are, read this if a player touches their face. There's one read this if a player yawns. And that triggers this little narrative point about fatigue in the colony. It's uh, it's all kinds of stuff, so you spend it's the whole panic. game kind of walking on your tiptoes around not knowing what's gonna set these cards off while a player who is nominally on your team is sitting there looking at this card, just waiting for you to do the thing. That freaks me out that that is probably the closest to actual like gut twisting fear.
1: I'd still like to see them take the the crossroads mechanic and do a, you know things going wrong in space type theme, but
0: uh, I heard a rumor about that a long time ago, but I, I don't think they I also heard a rumor about that and I heard it from John Gilmore the designer, the co-designer of Dead of Winter. Uh he was uh I was asking him when he was in at Snakes what was next for the Crossroads mechanic, and he said something about not just sci-fi, but oldie timey vintage you know rocket ships sci-fi. And I felt a lot of feelings about that. The next twenty minutes are just
1: a euphoric blur. Uh quite often at the cafe right now, being October, um we have a lot of people playing games like Last Night on Earth, uh, Mm. or Betrayal as well, you know, those are both two titles that uh, I've seen hit the table a couple
0: times. Yeah, Last Night on Earth is one of my favorite, maybe my favorite spooky game, Uh, and I love it because your characters start out puny and sad, but over the course of the game, they start to suck less, because they find equipment, and if you're using the Timber Peak expansion, which I think is kind of a must-have for that game, your characters actually gain experience points as they knock off zombies, and they get cooler they get better at punching stuff and shooting stuff and they might learn first aid stuff or truck fixing stuff. It's really satisfying to see your heroes get noticeably materially cooler over the course of the game as the zombie bodies pile up.
1: Yeah, and that's uh that's another sort of like one versus many for the most part, or maybe two if you have a really big group. Yeah, ideally but, uh, with
0: the full six players, it's four human survivor players plus two players co oping the zombie horde. Yeah, but
1: then you gotta throw the aliens in there. Yeah,
0: you do. <laughs> yeah, you brought up Betrayal at House on the Hill, and now it's sequel, Betrayal at House on the Hill, The Widow's Walk, and it's uh well, that, it's follow an expansion. up. It's an expansion, yeah, and it's follow up uh Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. We've we've had some good times with with the original Betrayal.
1: Yeah, it's uh, one of those games that does incorporate a story. I mean, you're you're pretty much Scooby-Doo gang moving around a, a mansion at the beginning of the game, mumbling your way through, and that's one of the downsides to the game, but the fact that suddenly halfway through the game you have that transition into something actually happening
0: is kind of exciting sometimes. That's something they actually tweaked up very slightly for Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Uh, they moved it up so that the... The overall pace of when the haunt could happen, when the when the one player might turn traitor, it's going to happen in the same range of time, but it skews so that it's likely to happen a little earlier. And uh, where Betrayal, the first half of the game, you sort of putter around and level your characters up and find cool equipment and whatever and wait for somebody to turn traitor, but you sort of don't get your story and you don't really get your your objectives until that happens. Betrayal at Baldur's Gate sort of went what if that happened on average just a just a bit earlier. And that's something I dislike about a lot of the
1: horror games is that sort of point where you're just sort of walking around Waiting for stuff. Even some of my favorite games like Fury of Dracula can feel like that, right? Where you're just sort of wandering around
0: aimlessly. And the puttering. Stuff's happening and the puttering. That would be a great horror movie title. And then the <laughs> I would give that one a pass. But I I think that's really interesting, right? Horror movies need downtime, right? For something to be scary, something has to be not scary next to it because fear is just relative, right? Right. So I think that... that that puttering, that downtime, that looking for the equipment that might help us survive is important, even if it's not the memorable or exciting bit of the game. It's about how how the game handles that. Uh, Last Night on Earth, for example, does it by putting zombies on the board at the beginning at a great distance away. You can see them coming. Sometimes they speed up because surprises happen. But there's this sense of you do have downtime, but you have a sense of not having infinite downtime. But I think we're seeing less of that now, too. With Mansions of Madness second edition, you know, there's
1: little bits of story all over the place, and things certainly ramp up really, really quickly in those scenarios. So there's always going to be some sort of cultist or something like that that suddenly barges in. There's a monster on the board, and you have to avoid it. Or, Absolutely. Or other types of things. Or a uh, Arkham Horror the Card Game, where pretty much right away you're drawing bad cards at the end of every turn that are just going to make you miserable.
0: So, right. It, it wouldn't be an Arkham Horror series game if it didn't start sort of throwing abrasive hot tentacled garbage at you from turn (laughs) zero right it's it's gotta come on sort of fast and furious to to be worthy of the title well that's all for this week it's not a week i don't know time what is time (laughs) screw you time (laughs) That's it for this week. Uh, well, no, you did it too! <laughs> You're fired, okay. Well, that's it for today. Join us on Friday of this week where we're going to uh, talk about a few more of our favorite horror games and uh, pick a few winners for what really gets to the scary.